Hello listeners, welcome to Money Talk with Patrick. I am your host Patrick, trading mentor and creator of TC Trading. So in today's episode, I will be talking about the different types of economic recoveries and what has been the response and consequences of the unprecedented money printing in the economy. I will also give my opinion on where we are right now and what we could potentially expect in the near future. So hello once again everyone, I hope that you've been great, I hope that you're having a nice week. Uh, let's talk more about money, let's talk more about finance. And the first thing that I want to talk about is the different types of economy recovery. So uh, we have seen throughout the pandemic, you know, in 2020, that all markets, most uh, mostly all of the markets, had a very, very big crash. You know, if you name Bitcoin, if you name um, the, the S&P 500, if you name any type of uh, market out there, gold, you, whatever it was, it really came down because of the crisis situation. Now, I hope that you have seen or you have heard the different types or at least one of the types of economic recoveries. I uh, remember back then in 2020, uh, around like, um, it might be more or less about May, around May, people were talking about this V-shape recovery, okay? This is basically when the markets go, go, go down and as it goes down, it goes up. So this is kind of like very positive in an economy when you have this type of recovery. So that's the first step. It's a V-shape recovery. And as you might ex expect, it has the shape of the letter V. So it comes down, it makes pretty much a support or a point of, of uh, resistance for the price not going down any lower, and then it bounces right away now another type of economic recovery it's what's called the u-shaped recovery very similar to the v-shape it's pretty much the same except that instead of bouncing right off of having like kind of like this bottom it takes a little bit more time and then slowly but surely it starts kind of like gaining more momentum so it's basically the same the price goes down it takes more time but in the end it recovers and it goes higher now another type of uh, recovery that you have is the w-shaped recovery and again this is just pretty much naming letters and you thinking about the price action or looking at charts and imagining those same letters with the same price action so a w-shaped uh, recovery means that the market crash then it tries uh, to bounce it tries to get back but it fails once again and then that, that the second time that's when it really uh, kind of like recovers completely and the last one which is kind of like the least desired outcome is the l-shaped recovery Again, imagine it's an L that the price is actually going down, but instead of quickly recovering, it's recovering but at a very slow pace. Why is this important? Uh, I wanted ju just to let you know about the different types of recovery because I'm gonna be giving my opinion about the current state of the market and also what we could be expecting in some time. But first, let's talk a little bit about the response of central banks. So. For all of you who don't know about quantitative easing, it might be a word that sounds if you're familiar with finances, uh, but in a more formal term, quantitative easing is when central banks purchase longer-term securities from the open market in order to increase the money supply and thus encouraging uh, lending and investment. In an easier term, you know, if we're trying to kind of make it more digestible for you, an easier way to look at it is increasing or 
decreasing interest rates or the cost of borrowing money. So if you guys are already kind of like getting credit cards, if you are already getting like mortgages, if you are getting like car loans, you already know what interest are. And basically interest rates is just the, uh, the, the rates that the central banks usually put for every other bank. Now, grabbing the US as an example, in 2010, all the way to 2015, interest rates uh, have been almost a zero, very close to zero. Uh, and in 2015, it was when Donald Trump started increasing interest rates a little bit, all the way above uh, 2% more or less before 2020, so before all this crisis happened. In order to tackle a potential recession, I mean, we, we did have a recession, but it was very brief in comparison to what it could have been. The recovery was extremely, extremely fast due to what happened with COVID. But the central banks, of course, across the world decided to lower interest rates almost to zero again. Why? Because, you know, if there's panic in the markets, with interest rates going as low as possible, that would incentivize you to go and buy uh, more things to, you know, to keep the economy afloat, to keep uh, the economy or this cash flow moving through all the different countries. Now, at, there's a certain point that central banks can't lower interest rates anymore. Of course, you know, this point is, of course, zero. Of course, this can turn negative, but I'm not really going to be talking about that in this episode of the podcast. But uh, when they can't go even even lower, you know, because we have to really think that the pandemic had an extreme effect. Like when I'm saying extreme, you know, uh, perhaps most of you have not noticed it because it's, dif it's it's very difficult to notice exactly what happens all around but i remember even uh, not uh, long that i went for a walk i actually went to get, get a haircut and i was and I, and I started to see some uh, lots uh, actually for rent you know where there were businesses before and potentially because of the pandemic because they cannot really afford going without business for so long and paying rent you know they were starting to kind of like um quit to kind of uh, going bankrupt or maybe just they decided to you know to take the losses and just close their businesses now this is important uh, because the response that we have seen from the central banks first was yes decrease uh, the interest rates as low as possible but that wasn't enough you know with the lockdown the small businesses, the economy around a lot of places wasn't able to operate as usual. So what they tend up to do is uh, kind of like this economic stimulus in various in various ways. The most famous is kind of like directly printed more money and basically give give a check to every citizen. On depending on 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 a specific country, they had different programs. But the point is that they started printing more money. Since 2020, more than $3 trillion have been printed to increase the money supply. Now, this is talking about 2020 because if we talk about 2021 with the Biden administration, uh, I think uh, there's still an ongoing $1.9 trillion. So these figures, uh, these figures that I'm going to uh, tell you about, they're all figures. Probably, you know, uh, we're talking about more. We're talking about close to $5 trillion have been printed since 2020. Now, by that time, by that uh, 2020, $3 trillion 
was more than 20% of the total amount of money in circulation. Just let that sink in your mind. 20% plus 1.9 this year, you know, we're talking around potentially 30 to 40% of the total amount of money in circulation in just two years. Now, this has created a lot of speculation and a lot a lot of markets like bitcoin cryptocurrencies have just exploded to the upside if you see the uh, stock market it has gone rampage to the upside breaking all-time highs despite how kind of like all the economy around is and i mean we're talking just about the stock market and it's very it's very different to talk about the stock market than the economy overall okay of course, this was in anticipation of inflation, but it's important to think, why haven't we seen hyperinflation, right? Why, I mean, just ask yourself that question. Why haven't we seen like really this a crazy amount of inflation despite the US printing almost 20 to 40% of the current money in circulation that they had? You know, you would expect that, okay, with that extra money, prices all around would potential increase up to that rate but this is not the case now the reason is because uh hyperinflation it really depends on different aspects for instance it, it depends on the industrial output uh that's one of, of the of, of the variables right uh, meaning how much the industries actually um producing products uh-huh and this is kind of is roughly the same in the terms of how it affects hyperinflation because of course industrial output uh, went uh, down you know but also th there was less demand due to the crisis and also like uh, if you see that there were some times during the lockdown that you could not buy things that you wanted it was like only essential items and this is potentially not only for one for one reason which is like not trying to spread the virus anymore but it could potentially be also so that inflation is not affecting more products mm -hmm. so with the industrial output basically kind of like uh, being a neutral point we also have some other ones first employment okay now why employment affects hyperinflation basically because the less employment there is uh, means that lower the wages okay because people are gonna compete more for the same jobs since there are no uh, really no jobs then you have a lot of people trying to compete and what's the best way to compete is by gaining skills and kind of like um, sell them at, at underpriced level so basically people are going to be competing against each other and the value of the different jobs is going to go down now of course if you think about it why does this reduce hyperinflation is because if there is less people or if there's more people wanting the same jobs and the salary goes down then they effectively have less money to spend and thus it reduces uh, hyperinflation or the chances of hyperinflation and of course this is a negative a kind of point in terms of the economy but this is something that's reducing the chance of hyperinflation at least for the time being another point is the money supply of course this is the easiest to understand as i uh, as i just said if you print more money of course uh, this is kind of like a positive or this will drive hyperinflation in a certain way you know more uh, quantitative easing and stimulus from central banks is gonna increase the supply and thus the chances of hyperinflation in the future 
And the last part or the last point that I would like to talk about is the velocity of money, which again, if we think about the overall economy, it is down. Why? Because people do not want to spend money, right? I mean, if you are in a moment of crisis, if you are in a moment that you are scared about losing your job or you don't have your, you don't have a job, you're not going to be spending a with everything right you, you're not gonna be going out and trying to spend as much as possible it's gonna be quite the opposite so because of this the velocity of money or the velocity of which the money transfers from hand to hand you know when you purchase products you're basically paying for someone else's salary and then this repeats itself a lot of time until you kind of receive something on your end now if we talk about the recoveries now this is this is kind of like my opinion but also based on research that i've done uh, i want to explain what's a k recovery this is not something that a lot of people have heard about and it's something that is actually popping up very recently so a k recovery is when different parts of the economy recover at different rates times or magnitude so after covid uh, you know the retail uh, industries, the software services, you know, we're talking about Amazon, we're talking about, for instance, Netflix, all these kind of like cloud-based services or even entertainment industries but that are software-based, you know, we're talking about tech industry as well, Facebook, or Google, they have all gone up. Why? Because, of course, people were staying inside their homes and, you know, they're there was no other option make the products go to your home but while this might sound a little bit positive you need to take a look at the other side of the picture right the other side of the coin and that is that travel uh traveling you know uh, tourism entertainment like going to the cinema going to bowling going to i don't know uh, you might think about different uh, forms of entertainment like going to bars etc etc food services even though you you know you have uber eats you have different platforms they are really affected of, of course you're not going to have the same number of orders online or it's not going to be as efficient because you have to pay a commission and it might be slow because you depend on the number of drivers or whichever amount of delivery uh, you know there's available but the point is that all this has gone down so you can if you try to see this in a chart you would see that of course the, the prices starts uh, coming down and that's for all the industries then the tech industry and all the software and retail services are going up while these entertainment and food services are stagnant or even going down and this is where you have this kind of like k shape in the graph now, the best way to see this again is to see how the stock market was hit, hitting all-time highs, just as I said before. But despite this growth, you know, you still have a lot of unemployment. So, you know, you can see Wall Street hitting all-time highs. You can see Wall Street getting million, uh, more millions. You can see millionaires becoming billionaires. But all of a sudden, if you turn around, you're going to start seeing that small businesses are closing. You're going to start uh, seeing that more people are unemployed. You're going to start seeing that, you know, kind of like this crisis is not really over. You might think of uh, finance as being the stock market, but it's not the only part of the, uh, of the overall economy. It's just a, a very small part, right? It's not the whole entire picture. Now, what 
to expect? Uh, that's a very tough question, to be honest, uh, more in this area, because in my opinion, growth in the stock market and most markets, in my opinion, again, it, it seems very unsustain unsustainable. You know, we are talking about global debt. The global debt is rising. You know, uh, the UK, the US, they owe pretty much trillions or there's a global deficit, even though that some countries can be lenders as well. Um, countries are slowly but surely getting over leverage. Uh -huh. There are more countries that are actually getting more debt in order to uh, boost infrastructure, uh, boost certain projects. With the pandemic, you know, the resort was trying to print more money, which in reality, in terms of inflation, it has not affected us just yet. But with everything in life, you know, there is nothing as a free lunch. If you take about, if you talk about kind of like science, you know, there is nothing as creationism. You cannot create something without affecting other uh, another side. You know, there's always this equilibrium. Just like matter and energy, you know, you cannot create or destroy it. It's only transform. And the same goes with money. You know, you might think that you can create just uh, dollars out of a printer, but in reality, there's going to be another form of impact to compensate for that. So, as I said, just to summarize, chances are that fiat money is going to have less and less value over time. Of course, we already know this. And assets like gold and Bitcoin might benefit from this in the long run. Now, this is different because if there is another big crash, most likely everything will go down despite uh, what I've said, you know, despite being gold and Bitcoin, uh, that they don't really have a uh, the same amount of inflation as potentially fiat money but they will still go down if you remember uh, before 2020 or just in february 2020 most of the stock market uh, bitcoin gold they were very correlated markets all of them were, were very correlated and you know if you saw a lot of uh, videos on instagram or a lot of videos in youtube people were skeptical and people were saying it's not correlated but the fact is that they were correlated to a certain extent and it has never uh, th that has never been seen before uh, but that was a result of the crisis now you know, if there's another big crash, we can expect uh, more or less the same. And the reason is because if you, you know, resort to your basic needs, you know, meaning buying food, uh, buying uh, somewhere to live, you know, services uh, that are required for you to survive, what's the only way that you can actually get them? Well, the only way that you can actually get them is with cash. You cannot pay things with Bitcoin. Yes, you can have cards that basically instantaneously cash out your Bitcoin and sell it for whatever product you have. But again, it's selling that thing. It's, it's not really that right now you have prices in Bitcoin that are not uh, fluctuating. Okay, so that's that's kind of the, the thing. And this is why in, in recessions and in the in big crisis, everything goes down, at least initially, because people are getting kind of like scared. And the only way to really satisfy those needs is with cash. But in any case, traders and listeners, I hope you found this episode of Money Talk with Patrick interesting. It is very important to keep learning more and more about finance and the current economic situation. Even though you think this might not affect you, being aware might give you an edge to not be fully impacted if the worst came to happen. 
If you want to learn how to trade and short the market if things go south, you should definitely check my trading course. Just go to www.tctrading.com to learn more. Thank you very much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.